The FHVC Suicide Awareness PAC is one of the Flint Hills Volunteer Center's core programs. PACT stands for Prevention, Awareness, Compassion, and Training. Preventing suicide is one of society's greatest challenges. Raising awareness on suicide, mental health, stigma, addiction, and more begins conversations and promotes healing. This podcast series hosted by Lori Bishop, FHVC Executive Director, and Dave Lewis features personal stories and professional perspectives. It's funded in part by AmeriCorps Seniors and the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. Please follow us wherever you get your podcasts and share them with those you know that are seeking help. Our website and contact information are included in the show notes. This is a remarkable opportunity, Lori. Yes, I'm excited that we're getting back our, our podcasts for 2023, and and I'm excited to have a couple of special guests with us today. And one of them is making a return appearance. Other than you, I think she's the first. A returning person. And Rachel Brady uh, serves on our uh, FHVC PACT uh, task force. And uh, Rachel has been very active and has lots of great ideas. And um, Rachel, welcome. And, and she brought a guest. So, Rachel, I'm going to turn it over to you. My friend Amanda has a very powerful story of addiction and some of the struggles that she's gone through with that. Um, we met at Be Able um, just about a year ago, and I just love her. She has such a kind heart, and she's come a long way from where she was a year ago. So I'm excited for you all to hear what um, her story is and how um, wonderful she is. So you want to take it away, Amanda? My addiction, I feel like, stemmed at a young age when I was a teenager and I smoked weed for the first time. And a family member, when I confided in them, and they they pulled out their pipe and asked if I wanted to smoke a bowl. And I, sure, why not? That's exciting. So um, from there on, I... Um, I kind of lost my ambition to go to school and take care of my responsibilities as a teenager. That led into the world of, you know, when you're not going to school and doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're out venturing, meeting new people and um, started drinking and um, meeting older people and got pregnant. Didn't live at home any longer. I, I actually left home not long after I started smoking weed. I became an adult very quickly. I had my first child at 18 right after I turned 18 and then I had my second child at 19 I kind of I kind of experimented a little bit with meth um with my with that relationship just a little but it was mainly just the weed and um then we got in trouble like legally with weed and I lost my kids they were in foster care um I got them back in 3 months and they don't remember cuz they're really little but then I Left that relationship and um, got into another relationship and had my third daughter, um, my third child, and at 21. And that was a really rough relationship. I experienced a lot of troublesome things in that relationship. So I left and took my kids. And from there, it was just um, custody battle and um, um, false accusations to to DFS or whatever, um, it got to the point to where um, I started falling into the pills like oxys and all that. I got addicted to those and to try to get off 
the pills, I got addicted to methamphetamines because it made the withdrawals easier, like to deal with from the pills. But I lost custody of my third daughter, my third child, and it kind of spiraled from there. I um, only had, I had my second child and my my now husband's son with us. Um, weren't We weren't there 100, you know, we're, we're, busy chasing the next high or um, fighting even because uh, it puts you in a state of mind where you don't really care about anything else but the the meth and the pills. But my, uh, my, my third child got moved to Wisconsin by her dad and that really, that's when it was just like an out of control spiral, like just down the drain. I had the opportunity to try to get custody of her, but they needed a, a hair follicle test which and and a drug and alcohol assessment and a mental evaluation mental health evaluation and knowing that i couldn't do that for her kind of it just i just was still spiraling and um i'll tell you i really wanted i thought about suicide a lot i i would never like i never planned anything out or anything but i thought about it a lot i out loud i would say that i hated my life that i wanted to die literally every day Praise God, I haven't said that in almost two years. And I do think about that often. I I think about um, where I was back back then. I know that drugs and mental health, because those two, I feel like, go together, like, like just right alongside of each other. Whether it's the drugs that come first or, or it starts out with the mental um, health issues, I feel like they both just meet up and they're along for the ride together, like, from that point on. Um, but I never imagined my life being how it is now. Like, um, I never imagined that it would be real. Like it's, I didn't think that it was real life to live a life of being happy and healthy and, um, um, full of God and having, having so much healing and the people that I have in my life, like Rachel and everyone from Be Able and everyone at Celebrate Recovery. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's almost like too good to be true type of thing, but it is true. So, so Amanda, you've had some overwhelming experiences in your life. What triggered you to change, to to get back your best life? So if I'm being 100% honest, um, we got in trouble legally. Uh, we're at a raid. Um, very traumatic, very traumatic. Um, and it sucked in, the, in, in that time. I, um, of course, was scared of the, the, the repercussions and the, if I was going to go to jail, like spend time in jail and all that, because I, um, they're trying to get me with like 12 felonies and I wasn't, I only had like a speeding ticket misdemeanor on my record. So I'm like, you know, and I was 36 when this happened. Um, so just a couple of years ago, um, May 18th is, is my sobriety date. Haven't touched it. Thought about it. There are urges. There are dreams that I'm using. And then I wake up in panic mode. But I, so we got in trouble and I have two felonies on my record now. Not proud of that. But um, that's what made me, you know, I got sober because I had to, but I'm still sober to this day because I want to you know, and I have had people um, say, well, you're only sober because you got, you had to get sober. You're right. I, yeah, that's very true. But I could, I could go get high. I could go spend a couple of days in jail after I get high, you know, but I don't want that. Like I'm, I'm done. I'm good. I, I've never imagined my life like this. So, and I've gained so much and I could just lose it all like with a snap of a finger. So you made reference to be able. 
How did you find out about Be Able? So I was at the homeless shelter shortly after I got in that trouble. Um, my husband actually, we were living with his mom in St. George and he was there too. He got in trouble as well. So he went to rehab and, um, I was having trouble with my sobriety out, not with my sobriety, but, um, just the environment, um, being stuck in that same environment that I was in. So I took his son, he was, see, he's 15 now. So he was 13 at the time. We went and stayed at the homeless shelter. And um, I was working at Goodwill, still am working at Goodwill. And Be Able was having um, the free COVID vaccines. And they were barbecuing and I could smell the food. And we were hungry because it was, I mean, it's hard to like, whenever you don't have your own fridge and all that, it's just hard to keep food over there. And so anyways, so we went over and ate. And then I found out I could do my community service there. And they just welcomed me with open arms. And they haven't been able to get rid of me ever since. <laughs> you know, Be Able has such a, a healthy atmosphere there. They're my family. And I and, and I was about to ask that there that is just uh, really an extended family type of uh, experience for you, isn't it? Yes. If it wasn't for Be Able also, um, I never would have heard about Celebrate Recovery. Um, they weren't doing it at the time, but it was in the works. And they had the pick the signs posted and I'm like, hmm, that sounds like, you know, something I'd be interested in. There's NA, of course, too. And I hit I've hit up a couple NA meetings, but walking into Celebrate Recovery, I walked in there. I lost my faith in God and um during my addiction. And I didn't really I went to church a few times when I was younger, like with friends and stuff, but um I during my addiction I lost my faith and I even said it out loud. And it kind of shook me, but it that's just how I felt. But going in there and meeting the people that I've met in there and hearing their testimonies and their miracles, it made me a believer. And they invited me to church and I got baptized a little over a year ago. And I, I go to two celebrate recovery meetings each week and do a step study right now where we're digging deep within our hurts and habits and hangups. And it's just amazing. It's amazing. The whole reason that I got into this um, FHVC pact and, and the suicide awareness is because I had a son who had a drug addiction. Two weeks after his 28th birthday, I couldn't find him. We were super close, talked every day. And um, I, I, I went to his apartment on that Sunday, didn't hear anything. Monday morning, I woke up and I heard this voice from God say to me, go to Shane, he's with me. I knew then he was gone. So I go to his apartment and I struggled myself for 10 years um, with, you know, that scene, of course, losing a child, all that that you had to go through. I told my story on Facebook one day and someone reached out to me. And then it, I thought, well, maybe if we talk about this more, um, that will help. And so it's just really, I think, transpired since then. It's We're not professionals any mean, but by people telling their stories and sharing that hurt, that pain, what you go through, we're all human. And I think that's what we need is, is people to hear how you struggled and how you've overcome so that maybe other people are more willing to share so that they can overcome as well. So I applaud you. I could reach out and give you a hug because, um, you know, just talking to people with that is very, very uh, important to me. So I appreciate all you're doing. So I've known um, a friend of mine that I met when I first moved to Manhattan when I was 16. It was my mom's friend, actually. Her son and I 
I think he's like a couple years older than I am. We used together and all that. And um, she just last November, she found her son as well. And um, it was um, fentanyl poisoning. I My heart just hurt for her. But at the same time, it makes me so thankful because um, you don't know, you know, you're one, you're you're poisoning your body, first of all, with the drugs that you know you're doing, but you this day and age, you don't know what you're doing. When I did my first UA for community corrections, just going to be honest, I the last day that I had to get high, I got really high. Um, but when I did my UA, there was ecstasy in my system, and I've never willingly, knowingly did ecstasy a day of my life. So it was in the meth. And I'm just like, that. that is crazy to think that you're ingesting all these chemicals and you don't even know, like you don't know, and it could kill you like that. And I mean, like the fentanyl, oh my goodness, like it's scary. It's so scary. Amanda, you're wearing a t-shirt that has a Bible verse. I am. Uh, Psalms 46.5, God is within her, she will not fail. Has that become a motto for you? Yes. Um, my sponsor and I want to get the tattoos on us. My sponsor, oh, I met her at Celebrate Recovery. Um, we're alike in so many ways, and we're so thankful that our lives didn't cross during our addictions. Um, she actually came from a town that I lived in. Both my brothers were born in, in St. Joe, Missouri. And our childhoods and our even just down to our children are exactly the same. Like we're so similar in so many ways. And she has really guided me and uh, motivated me, inspired me every day, every day. Um, and I'm just so thankful. That's that's one thing like through recovery is your people. You got to have your people. Um, I don't know what I would do. I feel, I feel like I would I would still be sober because I feel like that chapter is closed in my book. But the people, it's about the people you surround yourself with. You have to leave everything, all the old behind, even if it's family. You have like you have to leave them all behind and pray for them. I pray for them every single day, every morning on my drive to work. I pray for everyone that's still stuck in the life of, of addiction. And then I just thank God for everything he's done for me. Yeah, and, and interesting, that from what we understand uh, from phone records and, and speaking to someone, the last conversation my son had with someone uh, is a well-known person in this community. Uh, and my son told him that he wanted to get right with God again. And so we know that was the last conversation that because he was a very devout Christian, uh, went to high school and was bullied because he took his Bible uh, there. And um, he's one that could recite everything in the Bible. I have to look things up, but he could tell you everything. But I, I just commend you. And Rachel, um, I, I'm glad that you thought of of Amanda and bringing in. How did this is how you two met with yeah. Be Able? Yeah, we met at Be Able. Um, so I have not done Celebrate Recovery, but I do a secondary class at Be Able called Boundaries class. And so Amanda was kind of talking about that. Um, you know, when you are trying to live a healthy lifestyle, sometimes healthy boundaries means cutting off the people that are toxic, which is hard. 
Um, and, you know, that's easier said than done. You know, fences are healthy because they let people in, but they also keep people out. But sometimes I think we, we as human beings, we tend to just put that cement wall up only. Um, but yeah, so Amanda did the um, boundaries class for a little while. And then she now she's a volunteer with um, Be Able. And so she just, um, yeah, is, is giving back to the community that, you know, helped her. And she's been able to mentor some of our neighbors that have been struggling in addiction. And so she's been able to say, hey, look, I've seen, you know, I've been there. I've done the walk. I know it's hard, but look where I am now. Um, And so she's really just been an inspiring person to be and give back to to our community. Um, Amanda, I have a question for you. For those that are struggling with addiction now, what would your words of wisdom be or what would something that you would say to them? I would just, I mean, I tell them because people do reach out to me that I knew from when I was in my addiction, active addiction, um, you know, I tell them first and foremost that they're not alone. Like, and that's why I recover out loud is so that people know, like, they don't have to do it alone. There's people out, out here, like, the whole time, all these people, you, Amanda, Val, Lawrence, Kendra, Timmy, everyone will, they're, they're there, but we're so blind by the addiction that we don't see them. We don't hear them. You know, God's there. We, you know, some people get to where they don't see him. They don't hear him. They don't believe, but, um, just reach out for help. You have to be the person you yourself have to be the person to reach out. No one can do it for you. No one can force you. You know, you have to do it. You have to do the footwork. It's hard, but it's possible. Amanda, thank you for sharing your story. That's powerful. Tell us about the relationship you have now with your children. Okay, so my oldest son, um, he now he's lived with me since May of last year. Um, he's 19, so he's grown, but he's back with mama. Um, my 18-year-old daughter, she is still in Pennsylvania with my brother. She, We still struggle. She's seen the most of, of the addiction, the lifestyle that we lived. Um, she is still angry with me. I have to be patient and let her be ready when that time comes. Yeah, you can't force that. So much to talk about, and I have so much to, you know, be open, honest, vulnerable with her. Just, you know, um, has she gotten to really know the clean, sober, faith-based Amanda? Um, no, no, we don't. I've heard her voice once in the past two years. That's hard. It's like grieving a child that's still living. That's something that I have to be okay with um, until she's ready. It's tough. It is tough. And I, I can't imagine it, how it is for for her. Um, she just got accepted into college. Kind of be proud about that. Yeah. She was a shift manager at Dairy Queen at six, you know, 16, 17 years old. So I do get updates you know, from my brother about her. So one day, one day, it's all in God's timing. It, really, there's so much. Apparently, there's more that, it, that needs to, there's more time that needs to be um spent for her to heal. I feel like the proper healing won't be done until we're able to sit and have a conversation or two or three or how many ever it's going to take. In my heart, I know that it's it, it's going to be okay and it's coming. Serenity it just turned 16. So that's the one that her dad moved her to Wisconsin when she was six. October, I filed a petition to get the guardianship dropped. She's with her aunt. That's a whole nother story. 
November we had a hearing and they wanted some things done, but according to Kansas laws, it could they wanted like a home study and stuff, but there was no open case here, so they couldn't do that. Well, we just had court on and on Friday and they dropped the guardianship and um Serenity's dad and I will be leaving on the eighteenth to go pick her up to come home. Oh, how Yay. exciting is that? <laughs> so Congratulations. Yeah. That Thank well, you. that says a lot about where you are right now, doesn't it? Yeah. The judge so um Scott and Marlon both from Be Able, um, my community corrections officer, Brett Clark, they all wrote letters for me, um, just kind of telling them like showing them the growth, telling them about the growth that, that they've seen in me since I started this out. And um, the judge congratulated me. That was huge, just to be acknowledged by a judge. And her dad and I, my daughter's dad and I are able to, you know, he sees also that I'm good in my recovery and just where I've came from to where I am now. So yeah, it feels good knowing that he knows that Serenity will be fine with me. Is she excited? Yes, she's so excited. So she's going to be with him like full-time, but I'll be able to have her whenever they're two hours away. She's so excited. She's so excited. Yeah, she's been waiting a long time for this. I wish our listeners could see the excitement in your face. So. Because this is, this <laughs> yeah, is a big I'm thing. I'm so blessed. That's I'm a big so blessed. Thing. And then um, we have Aiden. He's um, my husband's son. I've been mom since he was two. He's grown right alongside of me in my recovery. He used to um, have a problem with authority and stuff at school, even when he, I mean, he was just tiny and they would have to call the police on him and up until about two years ago now I get emails talking about Aiden's picking his nose and eating his boogers and I'm like I'll take that you know he he tells me how proud he is of me and like that's where his growth has come from is from me doing what I'm supposed to be doing and staying sober and just being the mom that I am I'm was meant to be I think your story is impactful so that the listeners out there the people that are listening to you talk today they can hear that you can turn your yes. life around. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and that's, I think, I, I, well, I, I know if my son were here, that's what he would be doing. And it's um, never too late. It's not. It really, I'm I'm about to be 40 years old in two years. And I I just got my first, I built my credit, credit up. I got my first credit card so I can get new tires for my car. And I... You know, I had to take it to my PO. I'm like, how do I do this? <laughs> I'm I'm just now learning life. And like when you're growing up, even if your parents aren't in addiction, you think they have it all together and all figured out and they're doing this great job. But really, they're just winging it. And I feel like I'm going to be winging it every day for the rest of my life. But I'm OK with it because now I'm like I can my brain is able to like pick up on, you know, and learn new things and manage life. Rachel, I'm looking at you and you look like a proud mama over there. I am. It's it's amazing. You know, I didn't know Amanda when she was full into her addiction, but I've seen her right as she started this pro like as she started her recovery and just seeing where she went from not really wanting to talk to people, not really wanting to like interact to, I mean, being willing to do things like this, you know, being on a podcast is just amazing. Um, and she's willing to share her story and really um, push and, um, you know, help not just make her life better, but everyone around her. Well, Rachel, thank you for bringing Amanda in to join us here. You're Thanks for welcome. your work you're doing on the task force. Thank you. I appreciate it. Amanda, what a great story. Thank, thank you. you. Congratulations. There are a lot of people proud of you and, and excited for your future including those in your family. Amanda, again, thank you. As a mom who's lost her son to an addiction, I 
just think what you're doing um, can change lives. And so for that, I'm very grateful and thankful for you. Thank you. We hope you or someone you love benefits from this series. If you need help, reach out to the many resources that are available. Many are listed in our show notes. The Flint Hills Volunteer Center Suicide Awareness Pack podcast series is funded in part by AmeriCorps Seniors and the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation.